Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to the Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Arrington, and today I'm joined by a very special returning guest. She is a horror fan, scary movie enthusiast, dog mum, long-suffering <laughs> companion to a horror podcast host, and you've been upgraded since the last time, Charlie. You are. You are my fiance. Fiance. Fiance, it's Charlie Stanbury. Hello, full named you. Thank you. Hello. You do, a, do a little real wave. Very nice. How do you feel that you've been upgraded to fiance since last time? Pretty good, isn't it? It's pretty good. That's probably going to be about, about, about a year until we get married, right? Tie the knot. Tie the balloon knot. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. Are you excited? Yeah. Bloody hell, a whole bloody year to wait. Lots could change in a year. It's true. It's true. What have you been up to since <laughs> the last time you were on the show? Uh, probably about a whole a whole year ago. Obviously, I've, I've I've seen you a lot. Yeah. Last year, but a whole year ago was when we when we did an episode on Elvira. Yes. At Forbidden yeah. Worlds, which is where we went to see Christine. So it's like exactly a year. Yeah, exactly. Once a year. I think any more than that would be overdoing it with you on the on the show, right? Probably, yeah. It's, everyone would be calling for me to be a permanent host, I think. So. A permanent fixture of the fixture. of the show. I probably should <laughs> I probably should say that Andy's not here this week, just before you think he's just being quiet. Um sulking. <laughs> uh he's jet setting, he's he's off he's off for work work based for work reasons, which is fine, we'll let him off. Um, but yeah, we we saw a film, we saw a few horror films. We went to Forbidden Worlds Film Festival again. We'll obviously talk about that um, in the what we've been watching section of the film of the show. Sorry, but yeah, back on the IMAX screen in the Bristol Aquarium. Mm-hmm. They got to call it something else, haven't they? They've got to go. This screen is something else. 
the more and more he called it the Bristol Aquarium. It's like, what? Well, but he fish, fish knocking about as yeah. well. He's pretty old. Like when I said to people, that's where I was going to watch some horror films. It, it does sound a bit silly. Like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just off to the aquarium now. I was off the aquarium to watch a horror film that's been um, projected onto the back of a a stingray's ass. <laughs> stingray's back. Stingray's back. Yeah. Lovely weird. Um, but yeah, no. Um, it's weird. Why did Bristol Aquarium have an IMAX? I don't know. I guess they used to show like sort of nature films and stuff on the IMAX screen. Um, I don't think it's ever been an official. I might be wrong, but I don't think it's ever been an official like IMAX cinema or anything like that. Like they, they haven't really shown films, but obviously now Forbidden Worlds and 20th Century Flicks have have, have got the rights to to show certain films there, yeah. which is good. It doesn't yeah. really feel very aqu- aquarium like. Obviously, you're only we're only in a certain section of it, but there's never any point where I go, oh, walking through the gift shop. Yeah, you don't see any fish, do you, either? So, didn't you? No. Didn't think so, did you? I saw, I saw a couple of fish. Did you? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't. I didn't. So I was thinking, where? Think, thinking of thinking of a joke. Can't be bothered. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it feel it feels like it was a, a little bit bigger than than last. I don't know, like bigger, not bigger, but like there was more stuff there. I guess obviously there's like a bar, food, um, couple of stalls selling various things so we'll talk about it obviously but before that um we should talk about horror news for the week anything anything in particular that you've you've seen this week um i did actually just read about the um like the halloween rights for the tv i've written that down here have you and then you got ahead of me like that um Miramax have won it, isn't it? Yeah, so like this week, there was loads of talk about A24. A24. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. Do you say A24? Yeah. Why? Do you say A24? What's that What's that band that's saying all the small things and I miss you? Blink-182. Blink-182. Some people say Blink-182. Some people say Blink... 182. 182. That's the people who say Blink-182, there's a special place in hell for them. In hell, just for mispronouncing, <laughs> just mispronouncing the name of a band. That's, hell, that's, that's insane. Blink one hundred and eighty-two. You'd be well annoyed if you went to hell and you were in hell with people who'd like committed genocide and and various other things. Well, unfortunately, I said Blink one hundred and eighty-two, and Charlie Sam- <laughs> Charlie Sambry decided that I should be in hell with all the nonces and war criminals. Yeah. What were you saying? A twenty four, A twenty four. I say, and you said A twenty. You said A two four. A two four. Interesting. Interesting. Now, now maybe I think you should be in hell for saying that. Maybe I'm right though. I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd immediately double down and say, "I'm right." <laughs> Wrong. I'm big. You're small. And there's nothing you can do about it. Um, the news seemed to break that A twenty four had won the rights, but then it came out that. Miramax had scored yeah. the television rights um, after apparently a heated bidding war. I want more details about that, though. It just says heated bidding war. I want I want details about how heated. Yeah. Did anyone have someone else by the throat? Yeah. Um, did they have those paddles? Were they like bidding? Paddles. Was there a man paddles. talking very fast doing the whole like like a cow auction? 
you know. Okay. Are you comparing Michael Myers to bovine cattle? cattle. Yeah. yeah. I do like that word, bovine. Any chance to say it? Speaking really fast. Like, uh, what's his name? It was, it was, he should do the Grand National. John. John McCreerick. That's a McCreerick. That's too confusing, that name. Um, he was a knob, don't he? Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Miramax got the television rights to the hugely popular Halloween franchise. Um, they've signed a wide-ranging deal to develop and co-produce a Halloween TV series, which also includes a first-look agreement on other television projects. Oh, what's that mean? Well, I'll have a first look at that. Can we include a first look bit of that? Just let me have a look. I'm just really nosy. Um, a new chapter in the partnership on the Halloween franchise. Um, so I guess Blumhouse has literally nothing to do with it anymore. But somebody has said, we couldn't be more excited to bring Halloween to television. What would you expect from a TV adaptation of Halloween and what do you think it should be? I definitely I definitely would like to maybe knock Michael Myers on the head and go for a season of the witch series. Well, John Carpenter, uh, what series, sorry? A season of the witch. Yeah, well, John Carpenter did want season of the witch to be like the start of a like anthology scenario, mm. didn't he? Yeah. So it could be an anthology scenario. Knock Michael Myers on the head. Well, if this is canon, is it canon? Then, sorry, spoiler for Halloween ends. But Michael Myers is bloody dog food, mate. Yeah. Unless, like... Mulched. I mean, obviously, I don't know what they're going to do, but if it's a continuation, maybe that other guy is now Michael Myers. Nah. And or they're gonna go with, uh, or they could go with like because obviously in the in the newest trilogy it almost turned out to be like anyone could be Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Michael is, Myers is merely an idea. If you feel like Michael Myers in in your soul, yeah, then you can it be. It was him. almost. I don't it know. almost tried to make him like it. Do you know what I mean? Like it takes the form of it. He thinks he's it. This he, guy. He thinks he's it, but you know what I mean, like Pennywise the clown, and it becomes anything that you're scared of. It was almost like Michael Myers was like an essence of evil, of evil, of pure so, evil. It'd be interesting, but obviously, like to get any kind of interest, audience, anything like that, it's gonna have to be Michael Myers. Well, yeah, because I can I can understand why the third movie you've decided to change it up a bit because there's only been two movies before that essentially follow on directly from each other so now that that story's over why not make a new story for part three mm-hmm. i understand that but now we've had 13 halloween films in total yeah. obviously including season of the witch michael myers has been in 12 of them um so it's almost at a point where like it's established now that Michael Myers is ha- is Halloween. So stepping away from it now is in a way going to be an even bigger risk than yeah. than doing it with part three. I kind of, I, I mean, I liked the idea. Uh, who, um, like, you know, the whole idea of like season of the witch being canon to the rest of it. And then it kind of turns out that the mask that he put on was one of the silver shamrock masks. Wasn't that a... If somebody came up with that as a as a as a pitch for something, yeah. was it? I can't remember. It was it was on on this though, wasn't it? That you were talking to. I'm sure it was someone you yeah, had. Yeah, you're right, but... actually, yeah, you're right. It was. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure, it was Kev Kevin Kev Martin. Yeah. Uh, store Kev, who we're, yeah. we're 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 having for a bonus episode very soon, talking about the last 
video store. But yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. So that like, is that, that could kind of be potentially an interesting tie-in. So you could have a bit more background about how a bit of Stonehenge creates this weird magic. Um, and isn't then, like, though, it's a, it's a bit mad because Season of the Witch isn't as mainstream. Obviously, amongst horror fans, is is a big big title, but amongst horror fans, uh, sorry, amongst mainstream audiences, like. I think they'd be confused, wouldn't they, if there was no yeah. Michael Myers. We are covering Halloween free season of the witch um for our Halloween special this year, which will will arrive on Halloween. Look forward to that. Um but yeah, there we go. That's that. Oh, I mean I'm always excited for more more stuff because there's always a chance of it being good. It's just a bit confused as to where it's gonna go now. The fact it's gone for T V now instead of I don't yeah. know. Am I going to care as well? Maybe, maybe that comes off of the back of things like Chucky, the series being like super successful. I mean, we've we've not seen yeah. it. But I know that just a lot. For, of people, just for you, that nowhere then didn't mean to do that. They do sing its praises and say that it's good. So yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe they feel like they can tell more of a story. Yeah, interesting. Well, there we go. Um, that was like the main piece of horror news. I guess I'm going to talk about a couple of events coming up, including um, the Women Make Horror short film showcase at the Watershed in Bristol, which we're attending tomorrow, or it will be today, if you're listening to this podcast today. It releases on the 18th of October. Sold out now. Is it? It is sold out, yeah. So um, nice. Bristol-based horror film writer-director Melanie Light hosting a night of short horror short horror films directed by a selection of talented women from around the world. Um, yeah, so there's going to be one, two, like ten shorts, including um, from various directors, Daphne Gardner, Sam Fox, um, Tiffany Kimmel, Gigi Sal Guerrero, not Sam Fox, as in famous. He's up to you now. <laughs> famous page three. Page three model. model. Is that is that mean? Just knowing her for that. What else does she do? Actress, musician. She used to sing, didn't she? I think she's she a sing. Song. I just know she was. Uh, she hosted the Brit Awards that year. It got like super wild. Wild or shit? Yeah, the no, wild. You know, like when Jarvis Cocker was kicking off. Oh uh, right, okay. It was like that. Really, they they banned drinking, didn't they, for a few years? Because everyone just got a bit tanked right up and forgot that they were on national TV. Happens to the best of us. Yeah, so we're attending that. I guess I'll talk about that um, on next week's episode a little bit more. Uh, To be fair, at Fright Fest, like the short film showcases were some of the most enjoyable uh, little sections, really, of the the festival. So looking forward to that. Um, And also, Soho Horror Film Festival has also announced its programme for 2023. Uh, again, including some things that we saw at Fright Fest, but some other sort of new films, um, UK premieres, world premieres, loads of stuff like that. Um, it is taking place November 24th to the 26th in Brixton. Wait, yeah? Is Soho Brixton? Where is it? That's confusing. It's not in Soho? I don't know. But, like I'd know, but... Well, you did used to live in London. Um, so... And I think it's also going to be online, like early December as well. So if you can't attend the festival, I think there's going to be like an online version of it as well. Uh, films like Halfway Home, Booger, Fixation, Hippo, Cannibal Mukbang. That sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, Baby Blue, Satan Wants You, The Coffee Table, Frogman. Sounds great. 
Okay. Only the good survive. Um, yeah, so loads of stuff. Loads of stuff to check out. And as always, UK-based film festivals. Check it out. Well, I'm not sure if we're going to be doing any coverage. Again, if it's going to be shown online, if we can't attend the actual festival at the end of, uh, end of November, maybe we can get involved and attend the online version and do some some level of coverage. Definitely uh, up for um, Frogman. You're definitely up for Frogman? Mm, Frogman and Cannibal Mukbang. You know what Mukbang is? Yeah. What is it? Like the thing where they like women predominantly, I guess, like do the eating. Oh, yeah, and people watch it online and get, get no yeah. satisfaction from it, but not sexual. Yeah, it's kind of ASMR, is that what it's called? A yeah, yeah. What would you What would you mukbang eat? Um, I don't know. I guess like spaghetti or noodles would be satisfying, wouldn't it? Because of the slurpiness. Satisfying for who? Hmm. Satisfying for who? Whoever's know. watching. I mean, I don't think I'd enjoy that. I mean, I would personally probably just sit and eat some cake or some chocolate. Cake. 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 Chocolate, chocolate cake, like what's his name, Bruce, Brucey Bogtrotter. <laughs> <laughs> and then swatch the plate over my head at the end. Like, yeah. That was always the bit that made that made me laugh the most is when a teacher actually smashes a plate over his head. <laughs> right, yeah, and that's cake. what she does to teach him a lesson: eat this cake. I'd love that as a kid. I'd be like, yeah. Reverse psychology, isn't it? But uh didn't work. He he reversed the reverse psychology and went he, for it. He Uno reversed her. That used to make me feel a bit sick, to be fair. Him like the horrible close ups of his like mm, yeah. breathing and his cake stained fingers and at one point where he like nearly passes out. Yeah, he like sticky fingers. Uh, no, I'm not into it. Uh that is it for horror news, unless you've got anything else that you wanted to mention for this week. No, I don't don't think in silence on a podcast. <laughs> um, no, 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 I don't think so. Um, obviously, the only things that, like things that have come out recently that I'd like to see is I'm I'm quite keen to get on the uh, Fall of the House of Usher. But oh yeah, oh yeah, that's out now. It came out a lot sooner than I thought it was. I thought it was out at the end of October or something. But I suppose it's supposed to give people a chance to watch it before Halloween. I don't know how I feel about it with the. Um, What's his name? Mike Flanagan stuff. I'm a bit iffy. Although Midnight Mass was my favourite by far. I didn't yes. watch Midnight Club last year. I watched year. the first episode of it, but I just really couldn't... Um, just couldn't get into it. The first episode, perfect. but you had a guts full. Uh, this looks yeah. like it could, it could be interesting. I'm sure we're going to watch it. But yeah. I mean, this I'm super excited for. Like, we watched the trailer the other day, didn't we? And I was like pointing out like all the little bits because like, I grew up reading Edgar Allan Poe. Um, yeah, and then growing up watching like a lot of Vincent Price films, which are all Poe adaptations, so I'm quite well versed with the subject, so I'm quite excited to see how many of like the bits, yeah. Whereas, well, I don't know, like, I feel like I, 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 I kind of like the cast and stuff. How do I feel about the cast always being used for new stuff? Don't know, don't know how I feel about that. I think sometimes it works. This one, I'm a bit like. Meh. No, I guess you got Mark Hamill in it. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. So next part of the show is what we've been watching, um, and luckily we've watched pretty much everything together in the yeah. same 
yeah, so we went to Forbidden Worlds Film Festival, as we mentioned. Um, thank you to to the organisers of that for for inviting us along. We got to see some some great films. There was loads of awesome like film fans there to watch, and some really interesting like introductions from filmmakers as well, which are really interesting. Some some just vi- video links, well not live video links, but you know videos, and some like people in person, which was good. Um, so yeah, you I went I went the first day and you came and joined me for the second day. On the first day, I saw the director's cut of the film Mimic, directed by Guillermo del Toro. He did a little intro as well, um talking about how he for the director's cut he removed some stuff and he added in some other bits. And this was a film that I'd seen a few times like when I was young, and I guess before I even knew Guillermo del Toro was. Um the, my last review I checked and I re- watched it in like 2018 and I was like, uh, it's all right, but the CGI looks a bit naff. And you think that watching it on a much bigger screen would make the CGI look even worse, I guess. But I don't know. I was a lot more into it this time around. Again, watching things on a big screen sometimes helps. Yeah. Um, watching it with an audience sometimes helps. Uh, and I don't know, when you get an introduction from the director as well, he's telling you about the film and his, his vision and everything that kind of makes you want to appreciate everything a little bit more um and it's a very it's his first hollywood movie it's his first english language movie and you can kind of see where he's had to rein in his his tone of voice a little bit whereas obviously when he became a bit more successful with english language films he could kind of just go wild with this one it felt like a bit more generic um mm. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty it's pretty spooky. It reminds me, it, it kind of fits into the same mold with me as like the relic. You know, yeah, that's what I, I always I think I used to get those a little bit confused. Yeah, I think yeah. I, maybe I did the same as well. Um yeah. yeah, it's it's that sort of thing with like some sort of creepy thing lurking in the shadows, lurking in the corridors of, of various places. Obviously the relics in the museum. Uh mimic is mostly like underground. But still, I, I I enjoyed it and it made me appreciate it a little bit more. Um, after that, I watched a movie called The Guardian, which was directed by William Friedkin, and the the writer of The Guardian, Stephen Volk, was there to give us some interesting uh, insight into the process of that. So I think another director was attached originally, um, and then he started like working. William Friedkin was a bit nuts. He called him Billy. I think he changed his mind a lot, or would like. Just, I think it was a bit of a, it sounded like a chaotic experience for him. Um, and I don't think he ended up really liking the film, but I think it's got a bit of a cult following. Um, it was based on a book called The Nanny. So it's like a, a nanny is stealing babies. I don't think that's a major spoiler, but nanny stealing babies and like sacrificing them to, to something. Uh, and it's kind of mad. It's got like a few properly over the top moments of just like unbelievable gore just like out of nowhere um i really liked it it's 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 definitely like one of those films where you go this is subjectively a bad film but i still like was entertained by it and enjoyed it and it's got some good performances as well it's a bit hammy but Mm. apart from that i enjoyed it and then yeah for day two with you we watched christine obviously which we're going to be talking about today deep dive and then we watched a film called the hidden which neither of us has seen before had we no no i didn't got even heard of it so directed by john shoulder who directed uh nightmare on street part two and starring carl mclaughlin as a fbi agent pre twin peaks 
Uh, and it's more, I guess, less of a horror, more of like a sci-fi thriller in the vein of something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like a sort yeah. of uh, alien shapeshifty thing. And again, I don't think that's a spoiler. Uh, I, I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it. It was it. It wasn't trying too hard. It was just a bit of fun, wasn't it? It was quite like one of those films that is just easy to watch. It doesn't expect too much from you. Yeah, so you don't really expect too much from it either. And I think the guy who introduced it, not um, the director, uh, but like guy actually there talking about it, I think he said like it's a bit like. Um, I think I might have said John Shoulder. It's Jack Shoulder. Did I say John or Jack? I just can't remember. I just remembered Shoulder. Um, Mr. Shoulder. Mr. Shoulder. Um, yeah, the guy who introduced him um, kind of said yeah. it, was like, it was almost like um, Buddy Cop slash X-Files without Mulder and Scully. It definitely had a, quite a early X-Files kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Where it kind of had like a bit of a cold open where like an X-Files episode would have. Um, establish the rules and then this and again it kind of was like a buddy cop odd couple yeah. tracking down this this sort of shape-shifting alien thing yeah. um yeah it was it was good i recommend it i'd never seen it before yeah. i don't even know if i'd heard of it before yeah i think i maybe heard the name but i didn't really know much about it but yeah that was good uh yeah so that was that that was it for Forbidden Worlds Film Festival, which was great because obviously seeing films on the big screen that probably you wouldn't get a chance to. Classics and films you've never seen before. So it was a great experience overall. Um, yeah, so the big screen too. Hopefully they'll do the big screen part three. Um, looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and we also watched Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Oh Pet yeah. Cemetery prequel with David Duchovny. Um, what's his name from Fall of the House of Usher and all the other all the other oh, Mike Flanagan stuff. E.T. E.T. himself. Yeah, I've E.T. in this. They got the Hang puppet a minute. They got the really puppet out. They got the puppet <laughs> out, of, out of storage and they went, get yourself in Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. <laughs> I mean, this is like the story of Judd, who's obviously in Pet Cemetery, um, as the 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 stranger who... Oh, Fred Green in there. Fred Gwynn? Gwynn? The actor is Fred Gwynn. Gwyn. Oh, what the guy who played? Um, Dad in yeah, the guy yeah. Herman Monster Man. Herman Monster Man. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm going to warn you about the pet cemetery, but also show you exactly how to use it, which sounds fair. What did you think of Pet Cemetery Bloodlines? Um, I mean, I would have preferred there to be a little bit more background of the actual native american side yeah of it. there was a little there was a little bit of a flashback to it to like yeah 16. there was yeah there was that little flashback where they came across the the burial ground i guess is what it was um and obviously there were um native american characters in it and there was a little bit of chat about that obviously one of the characters makes like the masks like the animal masks i guess that are supposed to ward off evil spirits yeah um, and it would have been in it, it felt like there was a lot of opportunity to kind of go in a bit more 
depth about some of those things and instead it was just kind of just glossed over because it was like oh you already know about that it's like yeah we know that they exist but we don't know much about um the um other stuff it's kind of like another one of those prequels to like a popular film or a popular i would say franchise but obviously it's, it's, it's got a sequel and it's got a remake where it kind of like here's a prequel, but it's kind of just like playing out exactly the same as the original, essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. and obviously you've got a character, and it seemed to lean heavy. Like, there wasn't much pet stuff going on, was there? Not really. I know there was a I mean, dog. There was, there was a dog, wasn't there? It just feels like a waste. Like David Duchovny kind of was just like very one note. Even our Pam Greer was in it, and she there wasn't much going on with her. Henry Thomas, uh, E.T. himself was all right. A lot of the main characters were, you know, a bit a bit bland. It I felt like it. nothing much happened. I can't even really remember what happened. No, um, I saw um, on a, a Facebook horror group that I like to scroll on. <laughs> um, some people have been mentioning the film, and my favourite comment was, um, David Duchovny should be ashamed of himself, <laughs> like, for being in it. <laughs> I just oh, thought, it's proper laid into him. He must be short of money and work and all this. And I was like, give him a break. <laughs> He's not the kind of actor who seems to appear very much. Oh, actually, he was in The Craft Legacy as well. When I was just going to say, he's not the kind of character who appears in, like, oh, a lot yeah, of okay. horror, horror films, but he was in The Craft Legacy. Craft Legacy was all right, actually. I'm probably being a bit mean. Um, but... Yeah, so a little bit weird that he was in that. Yeah. Because it wasn't like it was a super important character either, was it? No. Just man. Yeah. Man with son. Man with son and dog. Like you could have really lent into the sort of and not having PTSD. I don't, really, I don't want to give like a spoiler or anything, but like... So like the end when the realisation is of what's happening... He doesn't put up a fight at all. He doesn't go like, no, you're not harming my son. He's not like, no. Do you know what I mean? He just kind of goes, yeah. Yeah. All right, let's, let's go and do this. I, feel like, I said to you, I feel like it's starting. Like, I know we get like a sort of an intro scene, but it feels like it was starting and loads of stuff had already happened that we we were kind of not aware of. Yeah. So like the reasoning behind it, like we didn't really learn to understand the characters in that way. We didn't see a particular character before he was pet cemeteried. So how, why are we yeah. supposed to care now he's been pet cemeteried? Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't yeah. know what he was like before, so he might have been a dip before. Yeah. I mean, I guess they got around that by the the female character being pet cemeteried. Yeah, but even that was a bit naff. Even even her. I mean, I just didn't particularly buy it when she was pet cemeteried. You know what I mean? Like, there's something about the characters in this film that when they are these undead weird people i don't find them particularly scary or they're just a bit annoying um, if anything why, like, why, why why have they got superhuman strength this is what i was gonna say why are they super strong like where does that come from because they're dead like they can't feel pain so they just they're just full know. of adrenaline i don't know i don't know I, I just feel like with prequels, and I feel like with horror prequels especially, rather than going, we're going to delve into this legend and try and find out some more interesting stuff about it, it kind of just rehashes the same old stuff. And in in that and to, for the, in that sense, it's just a bit boring. Yeah, that was it. It's we not a prequel of how the pet cemetery exists. It's just more. It's an extension of 
the pet cemetery, pet cemetery exists. exists. Yeah, yeah. And I, so I've mentioned that before on this show where I'm just like, horror prequels, I hate it when they like, and here's the setup for the horror prequel. Once upon a time, there was this thing that existed in, as you know, as you know it does. Yeah. But here's what happened years ago when it existed. Mm. Like, I just find that a bit shit. Um, yeah, that's it. I don't think we've seen anything else that would be worth mentioning. I think so, no. Well, so then we move on to the main event, which is uh, Christine, Christine. A 1983 American supernatural horror film directed by John Carpenter, starring Keith Gordon, John Stockwell, Alexandra Paul, Rupert Prosky, Harry Dean Stanton. Um, it is based on Stephen King's 1983 novel of the same name, A Nerdish Boy, A Nerdish buys a strange car with an evil mind of his own and his nature starts to change to reflect it. They just love each other. That's the truth. And it? it's a love story between a man and his car. Um, so yeah, we, there was a bit of an introduction about this film as well. So we find out some, some stuff that I, I, I didn't necessarily know. So obviously John Carpenter off the back of the thing, which nobody had seen. And it was like critically panned, essentially, wasn't it? Yeah, um, isn't it? This was like it, him, um... Yeah, this was like him getting back in the director's chair after that um, and directing something that was obviously based on something that had been written by somebody else. So uh, uh, another heavyweight of the horror world. Um, I don't think Stephen King liked it, apparently. It was one of those, but then we've mentioned before he didn't really like The Shining. And I'm pretty, I bet he likes Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but. But yeah, so obviously that 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 was interesting. Um, a lot of changes were made based on the book. Um, I think in the book there's sort of like a spirit or an undead spirit, like in the back seat, telling um, the main character to kill people and do stuff. And I think that they said that that was a bit too similar to American Werewolf in London, which had happened, which had come out like was it eighty one? Well, it might have been earlier than that. Um, so it was a bit too similar to that. So they vetoed that completely. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I've not read the book of Christine. I've read lots of Stephen King books, but not Christine. And it did make me think I'd kind of want to check it out just to see what the difference yeah. is. But, so I think this film was always a bit of a blind spot for me, John Carpenter-wise, but we, we watched it in 2018 together? Yeah. Yeah. Um, For the first time. And I think then I was like, I like it, but it's not really like my favourite John Carpenter film. Um. But I don't know, watching it this time, and again, watching it on a big screen, watching it with an audience, is usually a bit, bit there's a gives it a bit something extra. But I, mm. I, I definitely enjoyed it this time. Yeah. You feel yeah, like definitely. that? Yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, as you say, there's definitely something about watching a film on a big screen, like not just your attention, because obviously you feel more obliged to give it, all of your attention don't you but it's just it's just the experience as well isn't it like the sound is different it just hits differently i think so yeah it was yeah a- and this was a, a a restoration version wasn't it i don't think it's 4k i think it might be 2k i think yeah. there's a like anniversary edition. 40th anniversary version which is going to be shown in some cinemas i know they're doing stuff in the u.s saw some screens advertised so we were lucky enough to see this like i guess fairly early on yeah um from that and yeah, it has become a bit of a cult classic as well. And I mean, the soundtrack's pretty great. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm reading here that a remake from Sony Pictures and Blumhouse is in development. 
Apple's ears. I don't know. I wonder if they'll go for like the. Sorry, I'm just comfortable. Um, I wonder if they'll go for the more of the book version. Um, yeah. Because, like, yeah, obviously they strayed away from it for a reason at the time, but it might be interesting to go back to that because it sounded like, yeah, the guy who introduced it said that it was almost like past owners or a past owner of the car who yeah. like you know like um Chucky is inhabited by a serial killer or whatever it it could be done like that way like somebody died in that car who was evil and his spirit lives on in the car and yeah. he's eggs on someone to be naughty that might be a <laughs> eggs on someone to be naughty why don't you be naughty have you thought about being naughty? No, be a bit. It naughty. describes him here as a bespeckled, acne-ridden, nerdy teen. It does make me right. So it made me laugh because the first scene you see him, he's like tripping into a puddle. He throws his sandwich into the puddle, and he's like a little bag of food that his mum's made. <laughs> And he's got his little specky glasses on. But it's just one of those ones, it's like she's all, out, all over again, isn't it? Like, yeah, well, you could, well, it's, it's yeah, like, I guess on, so. like, Take off the glasses. He's no more unattractive than anybody else in that film. You've done the whole, put these glasses on him, call him a dweeb. Glasses on with, like, tape in the middle as well, like he'd, he'd broken them. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just that... It, that but yeah, I know, I know, I know what you mean. Trope of glasses mean ugly. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. There's even well, a bit in it where he says, "It's okay, I know I'm ugly." It's <laughs> okay, I know I'm absolutely just disgracefully disgusting. I know. Face, um, face like a stump man's knee. Face like a stump man's. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. Like the stuff about the car, kind of not really having much of a backstory because obviously we see it at the start of the film in the factory and it's already cursed or evil or sentient or whatever it is. Um, And then there's a big old section of time where we don't really know what happens and we find out a little bit... Again, we find out about people dying around the car. So... But there's not... Yeah, yeah, there's not like any, any origin of the curse. It's not like... The, yeah. the car has been built from some some alloy or some some metal that was once cursed by a witch doctor. Well, I don't know. So yeah, it's stupid like that. I don't, again, I don't it? know what the book. Is. I guess it's very open to interpretation in that sense. Maybe that's why they did it that way. They went, oh, we'll let people. Oh yeah, that's a lot better though. Again, compared it to Pet Cemetery Bloodlines, because I feel like what we do is we find out more and more about the car as the characters doing this. So we know yeah. something's not quite right. We know oh, what's going on, and we uh, the, we find out more as the characters interact with each other. Whereas something like Pet Cemetery Bloodlines expects us to already know all of the um, mythology mm-hmm. without. And then, and then it gets to a point where it's like, actually, we're just going to show you everything we know about it. And it's like, yeah. it's just showing, not telling. Um, telling, not showing. Sorry, that's what I meant. And I think this film does really well to allow us to sort of understand. Because even by the end, I'm like, oh, I'm not 100% sure, like, what's going on or what the rules of that universe are, whether that car can now put itself back together because we do get a wonderful moment at the end. Similar to Inception, I guess, where the little spinning thing it moves moves a little bit it was the end of uh x-men film wasn't there when it was like the magneto it was like did the chess piece move at the end oh yeah when he's supposed to not have his powers and they're like did you move that chess he could have just blown on it yeah gust of wind 
Hang on a minute, are you Magneto again? Have you been <laughs> Magnetoed? Magnetoed. Um, okay. Christine, rating-wise, has got 6.7 on IMDb, 69% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, 64% audience score, 3.5 on Letterboxd, and here are some choice reviews. Robin says... I think it's a great attest to John Carpenter being one of the greatest directors that he can make a story about a killer car and turn it into something beautiful. Five stars. Doofenshmirtz says, this movie used the word shitter most than all of the Hollywood <laughs> movies combined. It does. That word doesn't even exist. Like, Yeah. I think uh, Ty, when he did the intro for this film, he said, I think every time you hear the word shitter, and it is a lot. People yeah. call each other shitters. People refer to themselves as shitters. People use it as an insult. Yeah, you shitter. in any way. Like I've never heard it in that context before. Like, I've heard it, obviously, in, like... I hear you, shitter. Like, calling the toilet that. Or... Maybe, like, John Carpenter that had got, been going through a, a phase where you'd been using it a lot, and he just... You know, sometimes you use a word a lot, and you... Because you use it a lot. Just assume think everyone else does. Everyone else is using it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's four and a half stars from Douche and Smirts. Karts says, so he definitely fucked the car. No, four stars. Do you remember there was like some sort of some sort of documentary about someone who was maybe fucking a car? I definitely, yeah. I think it's one of those like... Um, Pissing the car. Ones, yeah. One of those what? You know, like Channel 4 went for a stage of doing like weird documentaries. Fucked the car they... documentaries. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was, like... There was like one where it was like the guy in the car, the woman who married the Berlin Wall. I think a, a woman married a a chandelier. Yeah. Oh, okay. I understand that one. Um, and then J- <laughs> Jamel Bowie says, it's quite a long review, but I thought it was quite succinct, so I'm going to say anyway. Uh, surprisingly layered for a film about a killer car, it can be read as an indictment of consumer society and car culture. It can be read as a sly subversion of nostalgia porn, like Grease and American Graffiti, and it can be read as a blistering critique of toxic, toxic masculinity, of the ways in which the natural desire to grow into yourself as a man can warp and curdle into something destructive and ultimately fatal. Mm. Three and a half stars. Um, but yeah, I thought I'd include that because it's quite a good review. Um, yeah, there's loads of stuff going on here. I think like it's it's interesting. It's an interesting film. Like film about a killer car. You're like, okay, I kind of know what to expect. It's bloody Brum, isn't it? It's the opposite. <laughs> it's the opposite of Brum. Brum was a little do-gooding. <laughs> I was a bit scared of Brum. Is is horrible eyes? Yeah. Like Christine's a cross between Brum and Optimus Prime. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, what can the evil side of him of 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 Christine be? Like a, just just a, like T one thousand as well, I guess. Like a um, because the people it it doesn't kill everyone and anyone. It's not like I'm gonna it kills. Um, revenge, oh, almost, isn't it? Revenge. It's like revenge. Yeah, in, in the initial part of the film, it seems it looks like it's killing anybody, but then we don't know anything about the backstory really yeah. um, and after that it's killing anyone who crosses Arnie or is going to get in the way of Arnie Getting and Arnie being together yeah 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 it's um, like um, jealousy becomes like a jealous but it's, yeah. it's mad that like so much comes across from a car that, that doesn't speak mm-hmm. that doesn't really do all that much apart from just 
fuck people up. <laughs> it only plays 50s music. And it only plays 50s. In a way, like, it communicates via 50s music in the way that, like, Bumblebee from Transformers would. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, like, Bumblebee's, like... I don't know. <laughs> Think of an example. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Scared and the Ghostbusters theme plays. Mm. Um, this car seems to seems to do that, 1950s. Um, there's a 1958 Plymouth Fury. Didn't Now, what did Ty say during the intro about the car being uh, chosen? I think as the they chose a car purposefully that hadn't been used before. Obviously so it wasn't like an of... iconic... Car yeah, that like Mustangs have been used. I think it was that like Smoking a Bandit was a Mustang Six. and like um, Bullet and all those kind of things that had classic muscle cars in. So they wanted one that hadn't yeah. been used, so they couldn't. You couldn't turn around and go, "Oh, it's just like the car from so and so." It's just like Brum. Going back to Brum, sorry, Brum. He was a do-gooding little bastard, wasn't he? Like, what was he doing? What, what did he used to do? Like, get someone's lost wallet back to them. Yeah, oh, so I was lost their wallet and they're late for a job interview. I've got to drive all the way across town to get back to them. And didn't he live in like a creepy little garage and it would be like all dark and then like he would just kind of appear and his eyes would open. I reckon there's a horror film to be told about Brum being possessed by the spirit of, of someone. Mm. He was out trying to do good things to make up for being a horrible little bastard in life. But then he just can't let the bad side of it. He used to do, used to do my head a little bit watching kids... TV like Brum and uh, Bernard's Watch, where obviously me being a little bastard was like, do something a bit more interesting. Go and rock, go on the rub or something. But no, go on the rub. Go on the rub, Bernard. Go on the rub, Bernard. He's always saving someone from falling to their death on a ladder by dragging over a, a trampoline for him to land on. I'd, I, what I'd like to see is like a version of Bernard's Watch where he tries to do good but makes things worse. Yeah. Someone ends up breaking a neck because of Bernard. Didn't he, like, cheat on his own work or something? Or, like, stop uh, so he, he could... might have done, yeah. But I bet, that had a re- I bet that had a repercussion, though. Yeah, I bet it did. What a bastard. Yeah. Um, yeah, so in terms of the cast, we've got Keith Gordon playing Arnie Cunningham. Um, it was Kevin Bacon who was originally touted to be playing the lead role, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, John it's Stockwell. weird because, like, out of him and the, the, his character and then his friend, Kevin Bacon, for me, would have fitted better as the other character. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I really like their friendship, though, Arnie and Dennis, because they're, very, they're two very different people, and they strike me as, like, they were probably friends when they were really young, Mm-hmm. And as they've got older, they've both grown into very different people. Their interests are very different, but somehow they've stayed really close friends. So, like, Dennis mm-hmm. is like a football player. Um, he's kind of confident. He's, I guess, good with good with the girls. Um, and he kind of seems to have a rapport with a lot of people with, like, different friend groups within the school. Whereas Arnie's obviously a bit of a, a classic nerd, a bit of an outsider. But the fact that they've still got a good relationship. Yeah. And there's not much that threatens that relationship massively apart from Christine, like even when they seem to have the interest in the same, in the same girl, even then it doesn't, it doesn't affect. Even then, Dennis seems like, oh, well done, mate. Like, even though. He gets a bit distracted at one point, which, which ends up with him getting like a horrible injury. But yeah, apart from that, it's just Christine. And the fact that like Dennis has got his back throughout all of this, trying to, trying to, help him not get christined 
Alexandra Paul as Lee Cabot, who's like a new student and becomes quite like a key. A couple of um, Home Alone faces in this. Uh, Robert Scott Roberts Scott Blossom is George LeBay, who's the man who sells the car, Christine, to Arnie, and he plays Old Man Marley in Home Alone. Um, obviously, mm. quite a few years before Home Alone, but he looks exactly the same age. He looks like he just yeah. reached the age of really old man and just stayed there. Um, or maybe he's been incredibly old his whole life. Maybe he's hundreds of years old, years old and we don't know. Um, and then... The guy who uh, owns the garage, Darnell, Robert Prosky, who yes. is in, I was going to say Home Alone, but it's not Home Alone, it's Mrs. Doubtfire. He's like the boss, Jonathan Lundy, who ends up going, interviewing Robin Williams when he's like, back of course, and forth. yeah. Also, uh, he's also in Gremlins 2 as Grandpa Fred. Yeah, I was going to say he's in Home Alone, but no, I meant Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, and Harry Dean Stanton, of course, rest in peace. Harry Dean Stanton, legendary actor who plays like a police detective. Yeah. Hang on what a minute. Do you, what do you know him from? He's an alien. Ah, uh, of course, yeah. 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 Um, and well, he's in like loads of gangster films. I know he's in loads of things, but the only thing I can ever remember. Green him. Mile, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. No, Pretty uh, Pink, which is Twin Peaks for Walt with Mesa. Oh, okay. Escape from New York. So obviously, so he. I mean, he's in loads, isn't he? But I just remember him. Yeah, so he'd worked with John Carpenter before. But yeah, like a like a great cast. And even though the main actor is, I guess, relatively unknown. I mean, what else has he been in? Um, I don't know. I really didn't recognize him. He's still really good. um, With both sides of that, he needs to portray, which is like, um, the nerdy, quiet guy and then I guess a bit more evil <laughs> a bit evil in his Michael Jackson jacket yeah Shamon uh oh he's also in the legend of Billy Jean a couple of years later talking about Michael Jackson wow um yeah he wanted much more um so yeah that is pretty much the cast um and it starts in the 50s um as Christine's being made in a garage um in a factory sorry did you notice that she was the only red car as well? Oh, right. So what are you actually referred to Christine as a she as well? You've, you've, been uh, Christined. you've been Christined, basically. Um, you love Christine. But yeah, when it was going down the production line, all of the other um, Plymouth Furies were white or cream. Ooh. And she was the only red one Fused as well. Used with the blood of some... Well, well, yeah, maybe. Who knows? But yeah, yeah so a, there are a couple of incidents in this factory. The car sl- slams its hood shut on a worker's hand, seemingly on purpose. Mm. Um, and then a guy gets in the car. He's like loving it. He's turning the radio on, having a cigar in there. Maybe that's the reason because he like doesn't he like put his, put some of his ash on the seat? Yeah, yeah. He's like he's flicking his cigar. It's like a mad mm. thing to do in a brand new car. But he flicks yeah. the ash and then he's found dead like a little while later. Yeah. So, yeah, Christine, before she's even out of the factory, has got a kill count of two. Oh, yeah, not a kill count. The other guy's just hurt his hand. Um, and then we go forward to 1978, so like 20-odd years later. Nerdy high school senior Arnie Cunningham and his friend Dennis Gilder um, go to school, don't they, pretty much? They go to school, mm-hmm. and it establishes 
the relationship between those two and like that what happens to them at school essentially like there's a new girl who's just started called lee one of the characters like i'm in love with her man <laughs> and she's like a bit i don't know what would you say like reserved and kind of like aloof yeah she come i think she's trying to be one of those characters where she's like oh i i I'm not interested in any of those things. I just want to do well and I just want to study. Yeah, yeah. But well, she is like that up until she sees Arnie in his in his plum of fury, and she's like, "I'm absolutely gagging for it, for him." Like she's not for him, yeah. for him. Um, but yeah, then there's some bullies as well, some like greaser. Guys, I recognised forty-five-year-old man. I mean, this is unbelievable buddy is it buddy yeah buddy this is mad like we, we again we've mentioned this on the podcast before as well like in 80s movies high schoolers of course like with greece some people in greece were maybe a little bit older than they than they actually were but it was ridiculous buddy yeah. with his side bins and it's just like wallet on a chain <laughs> he looks ancient like if he there was a like kid, the like... same age as the adults in the film, like the parents. Oh hell yeah! I feel like if you just bizarre. if you put, imagine him in a different outfit, imagine him with like I don't know, slip back hair and a suit. You you can yeah. easily be anyone else in the film who's not in high school. No yeah. one would tell. Hang on a minute, he's a bit young for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the other bullies you got like a another another one, a fat bully. You would say, I'm only saying that a fat bully is because I feel like '80s bullies fall in fall into a certain realm of there are certain categories yeah. for them. You've got like the heavy metal kid, yeah, who's a who's a bully, a fat bully, mm. um, a bit of a dweeby bully who's like just going along with it. And I recognise this guy, the third bully. He's it's, he's in the start of Ghostbusters when they do the little card trick. You know when Venkman's doing the. Oh, yeah, you, you get shocked. Yeah, yeah. I'm tired of this man. Yeah. He was one of them as well, which I enjoyed. Uh, mm. So, yeah, three bullies, they're like, I'm going to go at Arnie, ruin his lunch, and then one of them pulls a knife. Out of order, really, isn't it? He's pretty out of order, yeah. Come fight me. I can't. you got a knife. Ah, well, that's all right. And obviously he denies it. He gets in trouble with the teacher. The teacher's like, wait for me in the office, and then they're like, we're going to kill you. We're going to get you. We're going to get you. I'm mad at you for grassing me up, even though I threatened you with a knife. That's yeah. fair. That is fair. Well, yeah, I guess at this point it... Snitches get stitches. Snitches get stitches. I feel like... I'm going to... I'd, I'd grass them out there, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, a knife is something else, isn't it? Like, that's... And he's a 40-year-old man with a knife. So... And he's a 40-year-old man in high school. How many years has he been kept behind? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's obviously not of sound mind, maybe. No. His mind's an absolute... His mind's in the bin. <laughs> um, he's got incredible, t- incredibly tight jeans on as well, right? Yeah, I mean, like you brown said, jeans. A minute, ago, a minute ago, when you said about the review that said about it, kind of being a bit of a throwback to kind of like Greece and American graffiti, like yeah. he literally was a poor man's John Travolta, wasn't he? Like, <laughs> yeah, he kind of looked a bit like him. And then there was a scene specifically where he, he got chills on it. He stood on the bonnet of the oh, car, yeah. and the and the other bullies are there. And I expected them to just break out and start singing "Grease Lightning." Like it, <laughs> it just felt too much of a yeah. <laughs> but I guess this does well to establish Dennis's and Arnold's relationship, like 
despite the fact that they move in different circles and they're doing very different things at high school, uh, Dennis has always essentially got his back, even if he could possibly get shanked because of yeah. it. Yeah, um, it's Dennis who ultimately dobs him in, isn't it, originally? He's like, he's got a knife. Yeah, he's got a knife. And I thought, I thought Arnold was going to go, no, he hasn't. But... Yeah, I thought that as well. I was like, oh, here we go. He's going to go, oh, no, I didn't see but he pulled it out of his ass, didn't he? Um, yeah, and Arnold lives in a household where his parents are quite overbearing, like controlling, kind of want him to mm. be everywhere at a certain time. Control. They seem to control every element of his life, even the fact that he's he's having a bit of yogurt for his lunch. Mm. Put it in the fridge, it's got yogurt in it. Um, and Arnie is starting to just, for the first time, rebel against that. Not like in a horrible way, but like... I'll spend my money on what I want. I'll come home when I want. I'm old enough. Yeah. Now. Um, yeah. And then when they're driving home one day, they go past like a rundown house and a rundown garden, like a yard. And then he spots the Plymouth Fury. And it's, I mean, it's in a bad way. Isn't it? Absolutely battered. It's, I can't even begin to imagine like how you would, I mean, you, You'd have to be like an expert to get that back up and running, surely. Yeah, and have a lot of money. Yeah, well, I guess I, it it does kind of explain that in a in a good way, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah it's absolutely ruined, isn't it? But it's like it's one of those love at first sight moments, isn't it? You know, like in films when someone's like, "Oh my god, look at her!" And everyone's just like, "What are you on about?" Like she's or he's. Oh, what are you all about? Like, he, don't you know? Like, oh, he's got a bad reputation, about like that. It was almost playing into that trope of nothing could tell him any different. Like, his best mate was going, "That's a pile of crap." And he's going, "Nah, nah, nah." There's potential. Yeah. Um, and he hadn't even got in the car or spent any time with it, so it was. Yeah, like as it got like it seems well, draws people in as well. Yeah. Um. So obviously the old man Marley from Home Alone comes out not with a shovel with like well he had like a suicide vest well, something initially I was like what's going on here he did have some weird like straight jacket on like loads of, loads of straps didn't he like, it like, yeah it was pretty strange no, that's what to show he's a bit a bit of a nutter but yeah he's the brother of the recently deceased original owner um, and he basically tells them that the car's name's Christine and Dennis is like trying to talk Arnie out of it essentially, but he purchases the car for two hundred and fifty dollars. Um, yeah, and he's kind of like, even if two hundred, just name the price because two hundred fifty, no matter what you name, it's not enough. I'm like, that's not very good bargaining. No, and I think that they use that really well to show like his naivety as well because he obviously says how much because it won't be enough, and then the guy says two fifty. And because he says three hundred before, doesn't he? And then he says two fifty, and then Arnie goes, "Oh, so what did we say? Three hundred? And it's Dennis yeah. steps. Goes, no, no, we said two fifty. Like he's that naive and that kind of yeah. uh, much of a nice guy. That he's he, just like completely he, like he wants the car so bad that like he, yeah, and he and he doesn't want to like tread on any toes, does he? So he's kind of like, oh yeah. He, uh, he knew about the make and model or something, and he was going to be like, "This is a classic." And he does kind of mention that a little bit. Yeah, um, I think he knows that it's. He probably... says it's antique. Yeah. Um, but yeah, his parents are unhappy. They're like, "You can't keep the car here, you twat." And I think they even say, "Dennis, why are you trying to talk him out of it?" Yeah, he got in trouble, didn't he? 
He got he in trouble while well, he's at... his mum's like, well, you obviously didn't try hard enough. While well, he was having a lovely glass of milk as well. Oh, yeah, and he's like, thanks for the milk. Thanks for the milk. My bones and thank you as well. Um, so he can't keep the car at their house. So Arnie takes Christine to like a local garage slash junkyard. Yeah, it was like, what did it call? It had like a sign. DIY, it was like, like a... DIY. Do it, yeah, DIY. It's almost like a place for people to like store their cars and fix up their cars and use the tools and spare yeah, parts available. It's like you rent the space to be able to do that rather than pay someone else yeah. to do it. I wonder if that's Is like a common thing it was years ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he goes there and he meets the owner, Will Darnell, who's like a bit of a nutter. He's got a lovely, lovely like waistcoat and shirt on, but like he's a greasy, I say greasy, garage greasy, not like anything else. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? He just looks a bit dirty. Yeah, and he's, he's got like, some buddies around playing poker in the corner. Buddies around playing poker and he sets out the ground rules no smoking, none of this, no mucking about, um, all that stuff. And then essentially what Arnie's going to do is rent the space. Use the spare parts and stuff to 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 rebuild so. parts and we'll restore Christine to her former glory. Um, and then we kind of see, as time goes on, it's kind of a bit of a like time kind of sped up. We're seeing it's, it's almost like a montage of him mm. um, raiding the junk pile for various bits and bobs to to fix the car up. Mm. Um, and he has a conversation with with Darnell at one point. who's kind of like, okay. Uh, you're basically using all my spare parts to fix your car up. Uh, maybe you could do some work around the place, you know. Change the loo rolls. Change the bloody loo rolls. Um, and maybe I can throw you some money as well. He, he kind of obviously sees that Arnie's a good kid and he wants to give him a, give something back to him or like, yeah. yeah. And then Arnie says, oh, I'll think about it. <laughs> he goes, like, oh, I'm going to have to think about that. I'm going to have to think about that. I'm doing you a favour, you twat. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's interesting. As time goes on, we we slowly start to see Christine getting better and better to the point where you're like, Jesus Christ, that bump that uh that that part is exactly the same as as like the how was he found that? Yeah, where's he pulled that out of his arse? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess he, he becomes a bit distant now. Like, uh, Dennis says a couple of times that yeah, he hasn't he's seen in him. the hospital, isn't he? So he's not there to kind of help rein him in. Doesn't happen yet. He's oh, in hospital okay. after the uh, um, okay, yeah. Yeah. accident. A little bit later, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so around about this point, he says he hasn't seen Arnie very much. His parents said he hasn't seen him very much. And this is when De- Dennis tries to ask out uh, Lee, who's a new student. He goes up to her in the library and sort of says, do you, wanna, do you like dancing? Do you want to come out for a little dance with me? She's like, I'd rather die. No, she doesn't say that, but she just she's not into it. I've got and, I got plans. It's just got a date. And at this point, we don't know what it means by that or anything like that. Um, over time, Arnie. So I mean, it says here Arnie's personality becomes cockier and affects his relationships. But like, I think in these early stages, it doesn't happen so much. Um, I think he's like, quite cocky towards his mum and dad, though, isn't he? Like, I think there's a couple of bits where he's a bit mouthy back at them. Yeah, they're not used to that at all, are they? So yeah. I can't remember exactly why, but Dennis goes back to the cellar guy at one point to find out a bit more about Christine and that his late brother was obsessed with Christine. His five-year-old niece choked to death in the car. 
and his sister-in-law Rita and then his brother both committed suicide in it. And Dennis is like, if I only knew that someone had died in that car, he yeah, would be he wouldn't have bought it. Yeah, yeah. So obviously there's something that again there's something awry, but it's not like we don't find out. Ex- Do you know what I mean? It's not like oh he committed suicide in it and now his ghost is 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 haunting the car. It's, we don't even get that because obviously Christine's whatever surround the, the the secret secret surrounding Christine's existence and why she does what she does is still not yeah it at this point yeah um okay not long after that is when the football game's happening arnie turns up in a completely done out christine like he's done it in a it looks brand new and he's with lee and they're having a little smooch by the car yeah and dennis sees it he's like well, I don't know. He didn't seem like disappointed or angry or anything like that. He's just distracted anything, by it. He's just probably like, "Whoa, what on earth?" Like, what never... the flip? That's one of the first things he says in the film to him, and he's like, "Oh, it's our last year of high school. We're going to get you laid this year. <laughs> We're going to get you laid this year." He's like, "I don't want to. Can't be bothered." I don't want to. Um. So yeah, when he sees it, he gets like absolutely wiped out. Dennis does when while he's distracted. Um. Yeah, he gets a severe injury, and when he's in hospital, he's like, "I can never play football again." I think before that, we we found out somebody had like a knee issue, hmm. where he'd like been out of football for a while. Um, yeah. So yeah, but Arnie goes to visit him in hospital, and he's kind of asking like, "What?" I think he's like asking about the car, asking about Lee, but he doesn't get many answers. And again, Arnie doesn't seem like that much of a dickhead at this point. He just seems distracted. Yeah. Yeah, he's got. He's got like a little bit of confidence in him than before, but he's not. Has he, has he got his Michael Jackson jacket on at this point? I don't think he's got that at that point, no. But Jacko. Yeah. Is it in this bit where he gets that, he drinks out of that cup and then he like puts it on Dennis's toe? <laughs> That's a really weird, <laughs> specific moment that you've remembered. Hang on a minute. I thought he was all right, but then he put a bloody drink on Dennis's <laughs> toe. And now I think. He's out of order. He's gone too far. He's off the rails. <laughs> I just found that really weird that he like drank and then just went and put it on his big toe. Just having a laugh, wasn't he? I was like, oh, that would, I wouldn't like that if someone did that to me. I'd be like, why have you done that? Well, he's just having a laugh as me. But Dennis doesn't even flinch. He's just like perfectly normal to do that. You don't care. You don't give a shit. <laughs> um. So yeah. When that after that happens, Arnie and Lee are like their relationships developing. They go to a drive-in movie, uh, where it's pissing down, absolutely pissing down right now. Like yeah, they can't. They're not. You can't see the film. And they're. I think they're having words at this point about the fact that she thinks he likes Christine more than her. He spends just more time with Christine, showing that there's a bit of jealousy between the car. I feel like if you were jealous of a car, I'd refuse to call it by its name. I wouldn't talk about it as if it were a person. Yeah, I wouldn't go. Oh Ben, like Oh Ben. Oh Ben. You I think Christine. Ben, you spend far too much time with Christine. Please. I just feel like you're an idiot. Stop sitting in your car talking to him. I can't help it. Um <laughs> and what he gets out of the car uh for something. What does he go and grab something? I can't remember. Um or maybe he gets out of the car in anger, I can't remember. But the When he the, goes the... to get her because she ends up being like, I don't wanna be in that car anymore so she runs uh, oh, yeah. the rain he chases after her convinces her like no no you're being silly it's just a car come on let's get back in the car 
and then again the car she the christine locks him out locks her in and then she starts like choking on her food and then what happens yeah. like, the radio starts blaring really bright lights come on it's almost yeah, like yeah, really bright lights inside the car which is interesting because i don't think a 1958 car would have had like a light yeah. above it like they do now um but yeah, the manages to open the car, but then some random man, he was staring at him anyway. I feel like he was waiting for his opportunity to get his hands on Lee. It wasn't like... He definitely does get his hands on her. There's a bit where he's like, Heimlich Maneuver, is that what it's called? The what? Heimlich Maneuver? Is that yeah, what that's it. That's yeah. it, yeah. He does that on her, but then it's kind of a quite an erotic bit where she's like heavy breathing and moaning and the man's holding her chest. Because even Arnie runs over like, moment. get your hands off her, even though he's yeah. trying to save her life. He's just a weird moment. Trying to save her life, but also copping a feel at the same time. And a cheeky, cheeky and full. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. she's just basically like, I'll, I'll never want to get in that car ever again. Yeah. And she's angry at Arnie. And she, she's like, oh, he saved my life. You just stood there and did nothing. And he's like, no, nah, no, nah, Christine locked me out. And that sounds mad. Like, you could be... <laughs> Christine <laughs> locked me out. Christine, Christine locked me out, and you'd be like, okay, well, that, if that's the case, then Christine tried to kill me? Like, is that what you... Are you agreeing with me? Yeah, You're still going to take Christine's man, side, even though you've just said she locked me out. Fuming. Fuming. Absolutely fuming. Um, and there was a moment earlier as well, which obviously you, you've got to take note of, which is the bullies were talking about, ah, oh, is that his car? And then someone said, yeah, I know where he keeps it. And we'll automatically uh, yeah. know that something bad's going to happen. And mm. I don't know about you, but... I mean, I wasn't... I don't think of Christine as a person, but when this happened, I did feel proper gutted. Like, when you see Arnie's reaction to what happens to Christine, you're like, oh, jeez, that would be horrible. Oh, like, yeah. It's, it's not... He put a lot of time and effort into Yeah, that. it's not... It's, it's that. It's, it's time and effort. It's like destroying someone's belongings feels really, like... Yeah. really horrible like in such a manner as well and for what you know for the fact that he stood up to these free bullies who were what gonna stab him yeah you're gonna stab me are you well i say no that you're not gonna stab me and they're like well i say we gotta get him back so yeah they sneak um, into the garage after just before that him. bit as well like when arnie drops lee home there was like a horrible moment where he was trying to console her wasn't there and then he almost like grabs her and is all like, I can't remember what he says, but he basically insinuates that he wants to have sex with her. But he says it in a way that was so out of character and it was almost a bit like, it was horrible. Do you know what? Well, yeah, is that like the first instances of like. Yeah, and it's almost like he like yeah. grab, he like tries, to, he always forces himself on her a little bit and says something and it was just completely yeah. out of the blue. I remember being it being a bit like, hang on a minute, Ooh. I can't say that. <laughs> Come on, Arnie, turn it in. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he drops off Christine at the garage and then we see all of the, the bullies run in and, yeah, they go to town on Christine, like smashing yeah, they... smashing everything, puncturing everything, ripping up all the interiors. Um, do a real nasty number on her, don't they? Do a real nasty number on her, yeah. Um, but, yeah, and it, it's brutal, just super, super like, va- there's, there's vandalising the car and there's, like, destroying it like beyond beyond repair like there's absolutely no way i mean that's a write-off like it's ridiculous and mm-hmm. essentially arnie and and 
leave me up the next day and he's like, I'm just gonna go and grab my wallet. So from the from Christine. So even now he's like, I'm gonna try to appease Lee by not banging on about Christine and getting Christine involved. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna go out. We're gonna walk, we're gonna get the bus, I don't know. But yeah, when they go in, he sees the destruction and he is ra- he is raging. And again, Wait this anger genuinely upset isn't he genuinely like, upset and, and this anger like comes out to yeah, Lee as yeah. well and he's just like get the fuck he said get the fuck away from her or something yeah like get Christine, like, she's... you fucking touch her or something yeah. like that yeah yeah um and then did he do something to his dad at this point as well just like dad says something about Christine and he gives him a throttling yeah oh yeah because yeah. the dad says oh we've decided we're just gonna buy you a brand new car like a brand new one, you don't need this piece of yeah, plastic. Yeah, yeah. And he, he's fuming. So that's not the point. So this was the bit I was confused about. I think I missed a couple of couple of bits here, which is where he goes back to the garage and Christine is repaired. Oh uh, yeah. So what happened? Yeah, because you popped the loo, didn't you? Yeah, I um, can't remember exactly. Just so what ha- what happened is um, she's all bashed up still, and then he says something to her. And like one of her tires starts to inflate. Uh, okay. And he's he is obviously shocked and all, and jumps straight to the conclusion that she's a magical car or something. And he just kind yeah. of stands back and goes, "All right, then show me what you've got." And then she just completely starts. Yeah. I think that's exactly what he says as well. He goes, "Okay, show me what you got." And then she just starts like like pumping and knocking out all the dents and stuff and almost like yeah, yeah just essentially like i wonder if they did that i mean i guess backwards like yeah quite possibly I, I, I kept thinking i wonder how they did that well they said uh, they had 17 cars didn't they so they probably had they destroyed them all. in all different yeah parts yeah um and then we essentially get what is christine going on prevent vengeance on a big a big old rampage and i was confused because i thought is are he supposed to be in the car when all this happens no this is what this is the point i wanted to look blacked out don't they yeah so it's all blacked out and then obviously when christine does do one of the the murders he he is somewhere else yeah 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 like he is because he's, he's got, got an alibi. Luke's car, yeah, he's got an alibi. So then, I yeah, it's been something that has been playing on my mind a little bit actually. Like, oh, no. was it just that one? He wasn't there. Was he not there for all of them? Obviously, well, he, he can't have been in there when Christine ended up on fire. Well, yeah, no, exactly. I so, feel like for for at least the first couple of mur- like, well, not the first couple of murders, but I think for yeah, for these murders, the buddies gang murders. He's not yeah. there. He's not in the car. Because again, yeah, it looks like the windows are blacked out. You can't see in the windscreen. Yeah. Um, so the first guy, the fat bully. Sorry, fat bully, but I'm going to call you fat bully. I can't think about how else I'm supposed to <laughs> set, you, set you apart from everybody else. He, yeah. like, gets dropped off by somebody, I guess, after working somewhere. And yeah, Christine starts, like, stalking him, essentially. And initially, he's like, oh, Cunningham, is that you? Piss off, Cunningham. Leave me alone. But obviously, after a while, he gets genuinely a bit scared because Christine's like following him, and yeah, the way he, he he manages to hide in this sort of like alcove, this like sort of garage alcove that Christine can't get through. But then Christine pushes all the way through, like ripping off, rip off the sides to get to him. And then later on, we find that he was he's ripped in half as well. Um. So yeah, I think around about this point is when 
um harry dean stanton the cop turns up starts questioning um arnie obviously just thinks arnie's got revenge on these kids he wants to kill them he doesn't think for a second that there's a, a magic car killing people yeah but he does ask some weird questions like he has jumped to a lot of conclusions yeah because some of the stuff he was asking, like, oh, where did you get a car like this? Where did you get the parts? He was almost like me saying that the car existed, even though the car was right in front of him. Like, it's because he's like, the, I heard that the car was completely destroyed and you've managed to pretty much fix it again yeah, yeah. later. I don't know what he's trying to suggest here. Obviously, he doesn't think it's happened ma- magically, but maybe he thinks he nicked a different car or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, this is what I mean. That, that bit was a bit cagey in... Moochie, I think one of the buddy, the the one who got killed, yeah, the buddy's friend got killed, um, yeah, and Arnie doesn't really do anything to to get Harry Dean Stanton off his case because he's like not answering many questions, getting a bit pissed off, and then he like revs his car to try and get Harry Dean Stanton to get out of the way, mm. um, but yeah, and then then Christine goes after the all the other members of Buddy's gang, well, two of them, Buddy and another one, um. First of all, just tailgating, being a right bastard, and then obviously Buddy gets right, loses his temper, drives into a garage, gets out, it's like, come on, man, fuck you up, man, or whatever. And Christine just goes ape shit, just drives into the car, drives into the car, drives into him. There's a like a huge explosion um, at the gas station, killing like everyone's on fire. And then Christine is chasing Buddy down. Christine's completely on fire. This is, to be fair, the, the cut from the big explosion at the gas station to then Christine on fire and Buddy running away is is amazing. Like it's funny. Oh yeah, no, yeah. Funny, but like funny, but in like a ridiculous manner. And also, there's a lot of people running away from Christine who just run in a straight line, right? Yes, there's a lot of people doing that, like, oh, it's a car and I'm going to run just directly in front of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I know I know you haven't probably seen it, but it reminded me of like that bit in um, that everyone ripped the piss out of in Game of Thrones when there was like the Battle of the Bastards and there was like one of the... Um, one of the boys like running in a dead straight line and loads of people like shooting arrows at him. Yeah, and like inevitable that he was, and people were just like, "Why didn't he zigzag? Why weren't he dodging?" Like he was basically like, "Not aware of that back then." A straight line, so it's yeah, it seems to be a thing, doesn't it? But yeah, it's a bit like Charlize Theron in uh, Prometheus when the ship starts rolling towards her and she runs in a straight line. Well, you know, I think some people you just panic in that situation anyway when you're trying to get away. Um, but not so much in this one. This is ridiculous. And then it is a great shot when Christine on fire runs over Buddy, and then he's on fire dead. Yeah. Um which is great, yeah. yeah. Uh and then she we see back to the garage, didn't she? Like, garage. Smoking. Uh, and I think like Darnell, the garage owner, thinks that like someone stolen it and been on a jury ride. Yeah. And he gets his shotgun ready to get kill wherever it gets out, but obviously no one gets out. Um Does he just sit in the car? I think he just sits in the car, even though it's like a smouldering yeah. wreck. Uh yeah. turns the radio on and then does he just choke to death? Yeah. Oh, no, it kills him with the steering wheel. The seat comes forward. Oh, that's it. The seat, seat comes like, all the way forward, and then, like, he's choked yeah. on the steering wheel, yeah. Um, and then the next day, police find the body. Um, Christine's in perfect condition again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is where the police detective is really starting to um, 
suspect that Arnie's behind all of this. He's like, there's more dead bodies, like three dead bodies. Uh, somebody said Christine was at the scene. I don't know whether it was like a, a plot hole or whether it's just not meant to be taken. It's not like that, that deep. Um, but obviously when they um, question him about the old guy in the car who's been crushed, he's obviously not crushed because the car's back to normal and he's just sat in it. But they say, oh, we found him in the car with a shotgun. And it was almost saying that he had shot himself. Shot himself, yeah. But, like, so how he must have had a bullet hole for them to have come to that decision because it's got, do you know what I mean? So did Christine shoot him? I don't know, really. It's weird, isn't it? Because, like, it seems like Christine is just, uh, like, commits acts of violence using her person. Exactly. Like, she physically is However, however, it did, like, the the cigar guy at the start um, just randomly seemed to die. Um, And obviously two people committed suicide in Christine as well. So it's almost like there's some sort of supernatural coercion going on. Um, But obviously we don't see it so much in this. Yeah. Weird. But yeah, so um, yeah, he's getting questioned, isn't he? Because they're like, oh, and didn't didn't someone say they saw Christine on fire or something like someone? Um, yeah, something mad like that. An eyewitness or something. So I saw that car on fire. Yeah, <sighs> but yet so. again, Harry Dean Stanton's character is like, oh, uh, oh yeah, your car was on fire still. Now it's in perfect condition again. But he's just so blase about it. Like I think I. So then you'd be like, if you saw that, you'd be like, well, it obviously wasn't this car then. Yeah, or I'd you be wouldn't be like, be like, maybe it was. I'd just be getting angry. I'd be like, Arnie, what the fuck is going on? But Arnie obviously had the other car, and yeah, he had. He the- his alibi like convinces the detective essentially. Um, now obviously Arnie and Lee's relationship is pretty much broken down because of Arnie's personality switch up. He's gone. He's gone a bit angry, isn't he? Um, yeah. And essentially, they get together and they make a plan. We're going to lure Christine to the garage, smash her up with a bulldozer. This is Dennis, um, isn't it? Dennis and me. Dennis and... Did I say that? Sorry. Don't think I said no, you that. just went to they and... They. Dennis and Lee, yeah. And obviously they have a meet-up at, at Dennis's house and then Arnie turns up seconds later and this is when they have essentially like Arnie and um, Dennis have their like final conversation where Dennis is trying to get through to him but Arnie's all, all the way gone thinking about he, t- he's talk, he talks about love and then he thinks he's talking about Lee but he's talking about Christine mm-hmm. you bloody love this car don't you and he's got he's got the crazy eyes as well now and he what like behind you he's got the crazy eyes crazy eyes he's like yeah. I got the crazy eyes um yeah so essentially the plan looks like it's gonna go go ahead they go to the go to the garage get the bulldozer set up um, they're like, well, basically, as soon they as Christine wait, comes they? in, they await Christine arriving. As soon as Christine comes in, shut the put the shutter down, and then I'll start it up, and then we'll we'll fuck it up. But Christine's one step ahead of them. Hiding? How did Christine hide in a, a pile of scrap metal? How does that happen? <laughs> no, I know. And also, like, how did Arnie get in the car? Like, so he like took Christine there, covered her in loads of metal, and then crawled in through a little crack in the window, and just That's sat and waited. Yeah, and now essentially it's like the the battle, Dennis Dennis in the bulldozer versus Christine. Christine's like trying to get to Lee more than like trying to hurt Dennis, yeah, and he's like trying it, to, yeah. she's like hiding behind the bulldozer and that, and then it drives into like the office bit and smashes through that, um, tries to run Lee down, 
Uh, oh yeah, when he crashes into the office, Arnie gets thrown through the windshield, like impaled on broken glass. Mm. Um, and as he dies, rather than like reaching for Lee or anything like that, he just touches Christine's front grill. Right, strokes it with it's odd, This was an oddly sexual bit, isn't it? Because the front grill's got like a V on it, and he was very much going down the V. Like yeah. there's obviously a bit of um, symbolism or yeah. sexual imagery there. Yes. That's represented by this as. There's probably loads you could look into, obviously, Arnie being like a virgin, as far as we know. Um, mm-hmm. And Christine has almost become like a replacement for any any sort of potential romantic relationship. Yeah. And even though he doesn't expressly, expressively say he's fucking the car, I bet if they remade this, we'd see him fucking the car. Yeah. I don't know if we see him fucking the car, but there might be some a lot more like seat caressing. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, do you know, like with maybe with like the um, gear stick, maybe some. Oh yeah, phallic yeah. phallic imagery of the yeah. gear. Nice. Um, so essentially, Christine just continues to attack, like repairing itself over and over again. Keeps using yeah. first aid kits, which is cheating. Um, but then Dennis manages to like, essentially, like pin Christine down and like drive over. Yeah, like flatten, flatten her with the bulldozer. Yeah, uh, and then this is this is a good little cutaway because obviously we could be like, well, now what? But then it just cuts away to a crushed up cube at the junkyard, dropping from like a crane onto the ground. Um, yeah, and then, and then the end bit when, um, like all the way through the film, every time Christine's stalking someone or oh yeah yeah of course it's like the 50s like music um playing in the background and then she appears and then when the cube like drops they're kind of like oh phew i'm so glad it's all over and then you hear like a little bit of 50s music and then it's just it's just a bloke who works at the scrapyard with his with his boombox or whatever like that boombox blaster the 50s tunes what a legend yeah. and they're like that oh and then does not want to go i've always hated 50s music I've always hated 50s music, but then the detective's there as well, and he's like, well done, guys, for stopping Christine. Shame that Arnie's dead. I'm like, hang on a minute. Where's he? What's he going to write in his report? He'll be laughed out of town if he says, haunted car kills teen. Like, so if we're going on the theory that obviously Christine can just keep repairing herself. Yeah. She can only repair herself because she's, touching herself <laughs> um like the part i feel like crushing her together she will still be able to build herself yeah. together what they needed to have done is completely take her apart yeah but even then there might have been like a sort of thor's hammer scenario where all the bits <laughs> like all these metal pieces like we don't this is the thing like i like it that we don't understand the source of her power yeah. i like that i like not knowing that and finding yeah. out because then in a way, like anything, anything is possible. Anything is possible, and it also it does open up a conversation about it, where people can share kind of like their thoughts, theories, and yeah, well, yeah, definitely. And I like, them. and I really like that. I like that it's not. It's one of those films that feels like primed for a sequel, and the fact that we haven't got one, I think, is 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 pretty amazing. Because mm. um, I think it works really well as a as a sort of standalone. I am interested to read the book though, just to see what is different. Yeah. Um, 
yeah there we go then. that is that is christine um we can play a little bit of name game before we rate the film if you fancy that you know the rules of name game don't you i do do you want me to go first i know you've got one no no i don't you, you go first, you go first? <laughs> okay well i've got a few so obviously okay you do yours first based on the synopsis so is a, a boy buys a strange car with an evil mind of its own that's the synopsis mm-hmm. um but based on that here are my versions of name game and i apologize in advance for this um okay so a ninja boy buys a strange car with an evil mind of its own and suddenly his breath is ever so fresh every day listerine correct listerine other other brands of mouthwash are of course (laughs) um okay i'll just do one more a nerdish boy buys a strange swimming pool with an evil mind of its own. Uh, and the swimming pool's French as well. Piscine. La piscine. La piscine. La piscine. That is French, oh. wasn't it? Yeah. Does that kind of work? I guess, yeah. The swimming pool, I think la piscine means. La the piscine. swimming pool. There we go. Do you want to do yours now? Have you you got... mine? I apologise in advance for mine. And I can't take full credit. One of the lads at work came up with it because I said, I was telling them about Name Game and Christine, I was like, this is going to be quite hard. Um, So, okay, a young boy buys a car, takes a mind of his own and it becomes a wealthy entity with its own dodgy island. Epstein. <laughs> dodgy Island. Dodgy Island. That island's well dodgy. <laughs> I'd be like, I think it's beyond the point of that. Yeah, Dodgy um, Island. There we go. Apparently, <laughs> apparently Stephen Hawking went to Jeffrey Epstein's island. Bloody hell. He probably didn't have a cho- choice, though. <laughs> I'm trying to say that disabled people have no choice in no, the I'm matter. just saying that they, we couldn't, like, he couldn't maybe say no. It depends on what part of his life. He's literally, he's literally got what well, he had, um, a, a a method of communication. But like some people might have gone, that don't count. I'm not saying that's what I think. Sound, it <laughs> sounds like it you're saying. I'm not taking you anyway. Moving on. Um... <laughs> moving on from that. Um, okay. A nerdish boy buys a strange car with an evil mind of its own, but instead of playing 50s music, it plays a very dirty song featuring Redman. Christina Aguilera. Just Christine uh, Aguilera, correct. Mm. You've got it. You've got it. I've got two more for you. You're being absolutely treated to this. Yeah. Um, a nervous boy buys a strange car of an evil mind of its own. But when he buys it, it's not in bad condition. It's in absolutely perfect condition. Brand Christine. spanking new. Christine. Christine. Correct. Why are you so good at this? What's wrong with you? <laughs> and finally, um, a nervous boy buys a strange car of an evil mind of its own and drives it straight to his favourite chapel. The uh, Sistine a... Chapel. Yeah, it doesn't even let me finish. <laughs> the Sistine Chapel. And if you remember, <laughs> my dad watched a documentary about the Sistine Chapel and he said to me, Ben, I watched a documentary last night about the 16th Chapel. 
And I went, what about, what about number 15? They them out. Which was good, but because he didn't re- realise it was called the 16th and not the 16th, the joke didn't land. No. Like most of my jokes, right? Uh, right, we've got to rate the movie. Rate good or rate bad. A to F. Pluses and minuses are available. Um, how would you rate this, Charlie? Um, don't really know. Maybe like a... B minus. Okay. Um, just because, as we have discussed, and also like that review that you read out at the beginning, it is a very multifaceted film. Like you can kind of take away from it what you want, and I think just between me and you talking about it, um, as well, it's made me realise that it's almost like a very metaphor film in the sense that very similar to like a rape revenge film but yeah. like without it being that darker subject yeah you know what i mean like obviously with like the the boys smashing it up um and him finding it oh i see what you mean down. so like you in... see what i mean and it's kind of yeah, like yeah. like fixes herself back up and then she takes revenge on the people that did it to her so it feels as if it's quite a kind of a feminist film <laughs> you know, okay. in a in a way, and I think if you look at it from that perspective, it makes it so much more than just a mad film about a car that kills people. It's a very heavy metaphor, I would say. So I think because of that, and I think because of a lot of those kind of messages, and it it was well acted, and it was, and I like like we've said it doesn't spoon feed you all of the answers it's left up to interpretation um i think for those things yeah maybe maybe just a b yeah i think i was going to go for a i mean it's an interesting take on it really i think it's one of those things where you can if you can think more and more about the subtext of it you can unearth so many other things which i think on the on the surface you don't necessarily think it is because it is just a film about a killer car Hmm. um but yeah, I'm probably going for like a B plus. I think okay. the first time I watched it, I enjoyed it, but I was like, ah, it's not one of my favourite John Carpenter films by any stretch. But I don't know. This time, I really enjoyed it, and it, it's made me want to um, read the book. Kind of for read the book definitely. Maybe find out more about the making of the film, and also some of the subtext that people think is in the film. I'm thinking of it as like a feminist film. It wasn't necessarily something that that crossed my mind. But now you say it, like. If we're literally thinking of Christine as a as a character, mm. then then sure, there's loads of that going yeah. on. You could you could Absolutely. expect, um, uh, yeah, great soundtrack, great ending, and it's got like that signature John Carpenter flavor throughout. I think, whereas he's definitely made some films where perhaps it's not as prevalent, but with this one, I definitely felt like I was watching a John Carpenter film. So yeah. Yeah. B plus, I think. I think maybe the first time I watched it, I would have gone for like a B minus. But but after watching it again and enjoying it more, I think yeah, a B plus. Yeah. There we go then. Uh, so that's Christine. Um, awesome. Find out more about the Forbidden Worlds Film Festival on Forbidden Worlds for, Forbidden Worlds Festival I'm not sure if that's 100 percent correct, but I'll put the link in the show notes anyway. If you're in Bristol, in and around Bristol, they do a couple of a couple of events a year. They do one event in like May, which is more sort of like genre films, um, not specifically horror, 
Um, I think it covers loads of stuff. I think last time they did a lot of like a Ray Harryhausen movie, maybe like a, a an cult. Asian action cult, film, yeah. like cult films. Yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Um, and then in October, of course, the big scream is more uh, horror focused. But yeah, great event and awesome to see Christine on the big screen. Charlie, where can our listeners keep up to speed with you and everything that you do? Everything I do. Um, I mean, I I try my hardest to <laughs> keep my uh, Instagram up to date, which is just Ginger Horror Girl. Um, I'm kind of trying to aim that more at kind of a little bit movie review esque. Mm. Um, Obviously, it used to cover. I used to cover a bit more of a wider spectrum of things, but I'm trying to kind of like hone it in to be a bit more uh, specialist, I guess. Um, but yeah, just just on there, really. Um, that's about it for me, really. I'm not. I'll put the link in the show notes, of course. Yeah. Um, of course, yeah. But thank um, you. Well, thanks for stepping in for Andy while he's off. You're more than welcome. Much appreciated. Um, and thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Thanks to all of our current patrons. Thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to ACAST for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or review and head over to Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. We're also on Discord now. Um, you can just search Horror Hangout Discord. Actually, you need to, I think you need the direct, direct link. Get in touch with us anywhere on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, Horror Hangout Podcast, and we'll give you the Discord link. Join us there. Next week, we're covering another Jalo film, Deep Red, with special guest uh, Sarah of Horror. Looking forward to that. Thank you, Charlie. And goodbye. Until next time, see you later. Bye. Say bye. Bye bye. <laughs> bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.